0: A start On Demand. On Demand
1: Between 11,000 and 22,000 Canadians could die from COVID-19. We'll speak to an epidemiologist who says if we don't continue with strong containment measures, that number could be worse. We'll speak with Munther Zeed from Food Fair about keeping up with the demand, the social distancing and deliveries at his grocery stores and we'll have a bigger conversation about the behaviours we're seeing when we're out shopping for groceries. And what song could you listen to on repeat? We got some great suggestions from our listeners on text. We will share some of that for you in this podcast. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and the Red McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Thursday, April 9th edition of The Start. Thank you very much jeff fortier mackling mcgarry and mcnab i'm just off a step because once again for the third day in a row the third night in a row sleep misadventures i just got to quickly tell you about this because it's it's funny uh i was texting you guys last night I, I just checked it was 8 23 p.m and i'm guessing by 8 30 i fell asleep while i was watching survivor on global tv excellent season by the way winners at war but uh and I even set an alarm at 9 p.m. Because I could feel I was getting sleepy, but I wanted to finish Survivor. But I fell asleep, woke up at midnight, decided to finish watching Survivor, and then I went to bed, and then I slept in until 3.30. So, hooray for me. Just wanted to continue the, the sleep conversation as a, as a theme. Remember a Christmas story? We are going to do... <laughs> A theme
2: well for me i we were talking was a di- was it who said that they like to have the window open i think greg maybe that was you that the wind window open oh in the summertime yes
0: yeah i yeah. love to love to sleep outside uh, in the in the camper at the cottage i like to sleep on the veranda if i can if if whoever's hosting us has one i like to sleep as close to outside as i can so yes yeah. it was me
2: so last night i decided that i i'm down in the in our bedroom in the basement. And I thought, you know what, I'll try sleeping down here because I haven't been sleeping. And I thought I would crack a window so I could have some fresh air while I sleep. And at two in the morning, I woke up and I was obviously frozen, but I couldn't get the window to close because it's now frozen from, you know, the moisture that gathers hot, cold science. And uh, so I left it and just froze for the next three. Well, what would have been next hour or so and then uh, finally had to use the hair dryer about 30 minutes ago <laughs> to try to shut this d- darn window so i've been like wrapped in a blanket with another blanket and stuff on my feet because i'm freezing and also i didn't get a better sleep just so we're clear it didn't work
1: did you close did the window close
2: oh the window's closed now it's still cold in there here though it was open for a solid nine hours so yeah
1: and what's, Ed, well, that sucks. Uh, the, 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 you sound cozy, though, if you're wrapped up in blankets. Like, are, do you have a, uh, a snuggie?
2: No, but I should get one. If this is going to continue, I should get one.
1: And what's this? Yeah. You guys wore, watched the same movie last night? <laughs> it appears so. Was it on TV? <laughs> It was on,
0: was it AMC or one of those movie channels or movie time or something? Yeah. I love you, man. Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. I'd never seen it before. And uh, Paul Rudd's birthday was just a couple of days ago. And his handsome mug was all over Twitter. People saying how he never ages, which is apparently quite true he looks very actually he may look older in this movie than he does now and uh, i'd never watched it i enjoyed it very much especially when they got to the rush part i had no idea that uh the music of rush was such a big part in fact they make an appearance in this movie and uh yeah it was a very welcomed distraction last night And turns out loren watched the exact same movie
2: Yeah, through the commercials and all, and I don't know why that is, but I have been thinking lately, there are more people looking for distractions, more people at home, and yes, I have Netflix and there's other things to do and watch, but you get to that point in the day where you just kind of want to chill out, and I've been kind of surprised by the what I think is lack of movies and other things like that on tv right now because i'm looking to i'll sit through those commercials i sat through those commercials last night even though i have seen that movie at least twice before and i enjoyed the whole thing
1: i remember when we uh used to watch a christmas carol uh, around Christmas time, we all, we had it on VHS, so we would watch it, you know, the same tape, which over, you know, year after year after year, and when we finally bought the movie, like, it was the one from the 50s with Alistair Sim, I think it was the 50s, and uh, when we finally bought the movie on DVD, I didn't enjoy it as much without all of the commercials, because I knew, like, exactly when they would pop up in the recording so yeah mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's funny how what you, like your movie will come on TV you've got it uh on in your collection, like I've, I've movies will come on TV. I've I've got it on Blu-ray in in like perfect high definition. But a movie will come on TV and I'll watch it and I'll sit there and on watch it on TV. Is I love you, man. The one where he says slapping the bass, yes, you're slapping the bass, yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and you're right. Rush is in it a lot, and he's a big fan, and so he's always slapping the bass as he uh, air guitars <laughs> to Rush, and he gets accused of. Like most people who should never be doing other accents, his wife is always like, You sound like you're Irish. Like, what is your goal here? Why do you slap and you sound like a leprechaun? Like,
1: was he trying to do a Jamaican accent?
2: I think so. Okay. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that's great. I, I, did somebody tossed that quote into our queue here. I'm assuming that was Jeff Braun uh, listening who said mm-hmm. sent in the slap into bass note because once again, we're all separate today. Mackling and McNaber are at home. Jeff Braun's at home. Kelly Moore is at home. It's just me and Fortier in the newsroom. It's uh, it's quiet here, and if you're hearing an echo, that's coming, uh, I believe, from, from Greg's side. I know we're working on that, trying to figure out that technical issue. Listener Eve yesterday said it sounds like, at times, the voice of God with the echo. So I, I, if we get described like that, I don't necessarily mind that. The voice mm. of God. That doesn't uh, bother me at all. If
0: we were indeed the voice of God, I don't think we would have programmed nine different seasons yesterday for the weather. We saw just about everything yesterday, didn't we?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Someone said it's, it's a snowstorm outside. I went and had a look and thought, what the heck? And then an hour later, it was bright and sunny. It was brutal. It was beyond odd
2: and and it's hard to i've been feeling like the one thing that's been really great and i'm never this person but you're looking for all sorts i've now become the part the creepy neighbor in the window like when something interesting happens anything outside i'm like ooh, i wonder what's happening across the street i wonder why that truck's going that way oh there's the neighbor outside i'm now like genuinely that creep and so the birds have been coming out and they got to be confused as heck with everything that's going on because that snow yesterday was thick and the wind was nasty
1: Is not a 1970s adult film. That is the kind of music that you might hear when you're on hold, waiting to get through to whomever it is. But uh, Lorraine McNabb was stuck listening to a different song. So McNabb, why don't you just set it up for us here? What happened the other day?
2: Well, I had gone on to, uh, I called MPI because I'd been hearing, you know, that if you're not using your car as much, you might want to give them a shout and have them change the insurance coverage you have for it. So I called MPI, actually got an answer in about three minutes. So that was fairly quick. Had a guy on the phone. He was chatting away with us, helping us out. But then he put us on hold just to double check a few things. And that's when, Fortier, do you have the song?
1: I've got it here. Yeah.
2: That's when this kicked in. I was like, that's all right. I don't mind a little Tom Cochran. But about 15 minutes later... This song was still playing over and over and over again. And finally, this woman comes back on the line and she says, oh, gosh, sorry, I thought I lost you. And I was like, why is the same <laughs> song on a loop over and over again? And she says, you know, she starts laughing. She's like, I don't know why. We've switched to this different system at MPI or something. And the same song, if you get put on hold, just starts looping.
1: <laughs> okay. And, and I suggested that I don't wouldn't really like that. Greg, that kind of broke your heart, didn't it?
0: It did. I really have a problem with this assertion that you were stuck listening to Tom Cochran. There is no such thing as being stuck listening to Tom Cochran (laughs) McNabb on repeat, though. Yeah, like doesn't matter. No, it does (laughs) matter again doesn't matter. No, I
2: started to think I was losing my mind and then it's like the same way you know how some hold calls just go, like they'll have that, that and then it pauses and you think the calls dropped. So it got to the point that the song was playing so many times that I kept checking my phone to see if I'd somehow queued it up on my iTunes. Like, did I accidentally hit life is a highway and i'm just listening to this song and no longer on hold with mpi that's how long it felt
1: all right so we've got jeff braun here kelly moore here jeff forte and we're going to talk about the songs that we could listen to on repeat and why don't we start with jb co-host of the couch potatoes on 680 cjob jeff uh can, well first of all could you even listen to a song on repeat or would you get too annoyed
3: Oh, I had a situation a couple weeks ago trying to cancel my vacation, and I was on hold with the company, and they and I was it was for an hour, and it wasn't even a recognizable song; it was just random house music or whatever. And that would have actually been fine, except they did the thing where every ten seconds they cut into with the. Your call is very important to us, and please hold on the line. You're the next blah blah blah. And that that drove me more nuts than having to listen to the same music over and over. It's just that stupid voice that I, I was so. F- and then after an hour, it, this line just went dead, and that happened to me. <laughs> oh God, that was a nightmare. If it was a song, and I got to choose the song, I would uh, all day and all night. And twice on Sundays, I would choose uh, Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. That's the best song of all time. How could you not, how would you ever get tired of that?
1: That's a, oh yeah, that's right. Smooth featuring Rob Thomas. It's been years (laughs) since I've heard that one. I'm just pulling that up. But of course, there's a, there's an ad on YouTube and... uh, 4J plays it as
3: bumper music quite a bit. Well, here we are. Yeah, baby.
2: Can anyone else just picture Ron right now, like in his slippers, just dancing (laughs) around his apartment? I'm in
3: the middle of my living room air guitaring. (laughs) Right on,
1: man. (laughs) Good choice, good choice. Uh, Kelly Moore, how about you? Oh,
0: Bronner, I hope the curtains are drawn. Uh, As far as songs that I wouldn't mind hearing over and over and over again, uh, one of Jeff Braun's favourite artists, Bruce Springsteen, Glory Days, I can never hear that song enough. Uh, and, And there's one it was kind of interesting. I was listening to Clay Young's show uh, on the weekends uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, Kevin Berg and his producer played Rick Okasik, Emotion in Motion. That song was on my brain all day. So I went to the computer and I just kept looping it back and forth. I must have listened to it for about an hour, an hour and a half. So
1: I would probably be okay with that song as well. I'm just watching the video for this. This is uh, This is creepy. The video is creepy, but I have not heard this song in years, Kelly. Wow, this is a blast from the past. Good call. Good call. How about uh, you, G-Mac?
0: Well, I'm going to honor my mom with this one. My mom was the queen of repeat. Repeat. And I don't know if you remember this, but you could actually set on your turntable or your record player, as we would call it uh, back in my day, you could set your record player or your turntable to play repeat and you could play the same song over and over and over again. My mom was great at doing that. But the time that stands out for me was the Saturday morning after Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark, debuted on Friday night videos on NBC. My mom recorded that show every single Friday on the VCR, and I left her probably around 10 o'clock on the Saturday morning, and I came home probably around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. She hadn't moved. All she done is rewound that video and listened to it, and well, it was Bruce, of course, watched it over and over again. And do you guys remember which future TV star is in that... Uh, that video, Jeff Dancing Ron, on Stage? Jeff Ronald, no. Yeah, Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox. That's right, and that video was actually directed by Brian De Palma, one of the best videos of all time, best performance videos of all time. So I tribute Joanne this morning with uh, memories of her probably watching that video I would guess no less than 50 times in a row.
1: <laughs> Forte, how about you? For me, I'm going to have to go with Temple of the Dog hunger strike
0: oh wow good one it's just because you know like it's it's not something that's heavy you know it's just nice and chris cornell's vocals are just so good especially in the chorus
1: yeah it it gets a little heavy and a bit later on yeah but it's not like bashing over the head heavy yeah uh this yeah this is a good one you're right this is very soothing it's a very soothing tune how about you McNabb? should i just hit this hit it
2: Period was when you're on hold you are in a battle sometimes like you gotta fight with yourself not to hang up and you're frustrated and so that song by Roddy Atkins and a few other country songs if I knew I was going in for a day at work that might be more challenging than others or you had a meeting or an encounter you needed to have I would fire up if you're going through hell keep on moving and that's how I feel when I'm on hold sometimes you gotta you you gotta fight the urge to hang up Brett.
1: yeah and I'm, I'm with Jeff that that message that jumps in and says your call is Important to us. Please continue to hold, blah, blah, blah. That does, it drives me nuts too because every time the music stops, you think, oh, is this it? And then it just keeps going. Yeah, it's a tease, and I don't really care for it. Uh, Mine is mine is kind of a a heavier tune. It's from the Offspring album, Smash, but it's not one of the the. It's not self esteem or uh, I can't even remember the the name of the. Keep them separated. Thank you very much. God, how did I forget that? I listened to that album on repeat, but the song I could listen to on repeat, which I used to. Everybody who enjoyed the 90s rock, gotta get away by the offspring it was my favorite song of the 90s. It was my favorite song of all time for years. I would I'd sit in the parking lot at Taco Bell on Regent before my shift, after my shift while I was eating, and I would just listen to this tune over and over and over again. <laughs> A trip to the grocery store is not the same experience it used to be. For many of us, that's probably an understatement, Greg. No question
0: about that. And a lot of Manitobans have just stopped going, choosing to go into their uh, orders, getting them delivered, or opting for online pickups. In fact, that option is now so popular for people trying to social distance. Grocery pickup appointments at some stores have been booked days, if not weeks in advance, Loren.
2: Yeah, but we also know that's not an option for everyone. I do have started doing the click and collect over the last three weeks, but some people still have to make that trip, which is why going inside many stores is different. We know there are wash stands set up in some places, plexiglass have been added to protect cashiers at other stores, and we know there are a lot who are trying to make sure shoppers maintain the distance. That's not always easy. We had a listener who works in a grocery store text us yesterday asking us to remind people to. Please keep that two meter, that six feet of space, and to remember that a trip to the store isn't supposed to feel the same and be as quick as it may have been a few weeks ago. It's been a big adjustment for both shoppers and also the stores themselves, which is why we'd like to welcome on Munther Zied, owner of Food Fair. Good morning, Munther.
3: Good morning. How are you this morning?
2: We're good, thank you. I understand. I was chatting with you yesterday. You've You've now gone in and put those arrows on the floor in your stores for the one-way shopping in aisles. How are customers dealing with that?
3: Well, it's a new experience. Uh, we have to constantly remind them to pay attention to the lines. We have signs up as they walk in. Uh, some people don't like it. They want to be in and out very quickly. They're coming in for one, maybe two items. And they don't want to have to sort of go through up and down aisles just to get to them, especially if the store is not too busy. But when it's busy still, they want to go in and out quickly. But uh, it's a new experience. Um It's a new procedure. We have to get used to it, and it'll take a few days for people to get used to it.
1: How many more delivery runs are you making now that you uh, did just a few weeks ago?
3: Uh, We're up to over 400 a day right now.
1: 400 a day versus uh, how many before?
3: Uh, Combined all-stars together, probably around 100, 120 a day was before. Now all-stars combined is over 400.
0: That's something else. Do you see this as, as changing the way we conduct this part of our lives forever or at least for a long time coming, Monther?
3: I'd say for the, sh- for the next little while, yes. This is the way life is going to be. A lot of people want delivery. Um, we have to find a more efficient way to be able to get orders out faster to people. Uh, Email is a nice way to get orders. We can act on them right away instead of uh, calling back. The callback is... I mean, people like that personal touch. They want the call back. We're getting a lot more. We're asking for emails, but people prefer talking to someone. So, uh, again, uh, yesterday we finished our last delivery at uh, 8.30 at night. So, uh, as I said, we're trying to service all our customers in the day without having to have them wait another day.
2: We brought you on, I know, I believe Jeff Courier brought you on about a month ago just to talk about that fascination with toilet paper and the run on toilet paper in terms of something that people were buying in bulk. Is there still that kind of hoarding going on, Monther, maybe with other products?
3: Oh, yes. uh, That uh, wipes um, the sanitizer. Uh, We got a shipment of sanitizer in yesterday, a small shipment. Uh, We're expecting uh, the remainder of the shipment to come today, but we put the product out within uh, not even a couple of hours, our stock was depleted to nothing on the sanitizer. And we had like at one store, 30 cases on the floor, another store, 20 and at least 20 cases in each store. And within two hours or less, they were all gone.
0: Now... Is it just people buying them one... at? Sorry, Brett. Is it people just buying one at a time of those items or are people buying multiples? Are you limiting so, quantities on certain things, Munther?
3: Uh, we're limiting on um, the toilet tissue one per... Uh, one per customer. The wipes, same thing. The sanitizer yesterday, we started off by putting a limit of two, and then we had to change it to a limit of one. But, I mean, they're still taking it. I mean, uh, it's, it's been scarce for a while, so people don't know what to expect in the next week or two if supplies will get better. We don't even know as, as retailers. We don't know what supplies is going to be like.
1: Month, you've taken to social media on more than one occasion. I see yesterday, for example, you posted about hand sanitizer saying we will not price gouge and that you're able to, to secure a limited quantity at a premium price and that you're, you'll be willing to show customers the invoice. Are people arguing with you about the pricing?
3: Well, I mean, some people, uh, again, say that's, that's a ridiculous price, especially since the normal price of that particular item might be around 3 to $5, depending on the brand, and when it doubles, I mean, you automatically think that the store is taking advantage of the situation, yet uh, we're not, and again, uh, the offer is there for anybody that wants to come into the store and say, hey, I'd like to see the invoice for this product that seems to be price gouging, we're more than happy to show them. I mean, I asked my supplier the same question, uh, why so high, and he goes, and he, he offered me the same thing, would you like to see my invoice? I'm more than happy to show it because nobody wants to be blamed for price gouging.
2: Sounds like there's a, maybe a bit of, of a trickle down effect going on there, Monther. Uh You know, we, we talked to you a lot in months past about crime at retail stores. I'm curious now with COVID-19, there's a whole other set of challenges for grocers for sure. Have you seen at least a reduction in theft?
3: Uh, a little bit. I mean, at our locations, we've noticed a bit of reduction. It's still happening. Uh, so it depends on the neighborhood really, but uh it has gone down a little bit, which is a nice thing. Uh, plus, people aren't wearing thick jackets anymore, so it's easier to catch. Uh, we're asking some people to leave their bags at the front or, or uh, backpacks at the front. So it's reduced a little bit. Summertime, it's always a little bit less.
1: Now you've always stayed open on Good Friday month, or despite the fact that that has led to major fines. The government announced last fall it was going to change that law, but it technically hasn't passed. So, are you going to open again tomorrow, regardless?
3: Well, we've uh, we've been discussing that for a while, and I believe that uh, if this didn't come into play, the uh, COVID nineteen didn't come into place. I think the law would have passed, but uh, I believe our community has been asking, "Are you opening? Are you opening?" Because we're causing lineups outside, some people wait, some people don't wait. Uh, A lot of people need to shop because they don't get the opportunity of shopping on the day that they want to shop. Because, I mean, yesterday we had lineups outside all our stores and we had some people leave. Some people did come back. But uh, are we going to be opening Uh, right now, to be honest? We have not decided. We're still waiting to get an answer. We don't want to be considering that the government did Offer to change the law and everything. I really don't want to upset anybody, but also the community needs our help, uh, would like us to be open. So a decision will be made today uh, whether we're opening or not.
1: Munther Zeed from Food Fair, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We always appreciate your visits.
3: Thank you, sir. Have a great day.
1: You too. And once again, uh, up to 400 deliveries a day for a food fair. Uh, great community grocer here in the city of Winnipeg. Looks like uh, we're entering a really critical time.
0: No question about it, Brett. Uh, I would say, and officials are saying, that the next few weeks are absolutely critical in Manitoba's efforts to We've heard this terminology so often, flatten the curve with COVID-19. That's the message from our provincial public health officer as he implores Manitobans to stay home this Easter, to not gather with extended family over the long weekend and to avoid having dinners with anyone who is outside your household, Loren.
2: We know Manitoba has now seen more than 200 cases, but there are signs that the steps we're taking, like avoiding these dinners with extended family, to socially distance might be working. The number of active cases are leveling off, but again, Dr. Rusin has said, despite an increase in recovered patients, loosening any of these restrictions, these social distancing measures now would really impact our ability to deal with COVID-19 and then again, flatten the curve. In his words, we can't let up. So to help us better understand the numbers and what we're seeing, we're joined now by Cynthia Carr. She's an epidemiologist with 25 years of experience in this field, and she's also the owner of Epi Research or EPI Research. Cynthia is perhaps the way I'm
4: supposed to be saying it. Good morning. Good morning. You said it right the first time. Epi Research, like Epi- epidemic. How clever.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, what does it mean when we see the number of active cases is lower now than it was last week? What do you what do you see into that?
4: So, there's two ways of um, looking at how people are doing. So, um, ideally, once you start feeling better, um, that's a a good sign, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're pathogen-cured. It means you're clinically cured, you're feeling better. So, Ideally, we want to test people again to see if they still actively have that virus in their body. Um, Of course, that relies a very sensitive test with an ability to identify even the smallest amount of virus in your body because it can still kind of be there hiding and then reactivate or allow you to spread it to other people. So that is what we're trying to track. Um, with lab capacity, is how many people uh, who did have the virus, now can we actually not detect it at all?
1: Sorry, guys, my computer is frozen up here as I'm juggling through through windows. Uh, Manitoba has had the advantage, Cynthia, of seeing what's going on in other provinces weeks Mm -hmm. in advance. So has that helped?
4: I think that overall Canada has done an exemplary job in pandemic planning. The consistent action based messaging from all levels of government show that they have worked hard and worked together and stayed strong and focused. I do think that part of managing this kind of situation is absolutely to um, be as early as possible in recognizing the problem and start thinking about what we need to do here in terms of our capacity build up. So um, I'm quite confident that as soon as um, this was on the radar, that uh, Dr. Rusin and staff uh, were on top of this looking at important things such as lab capacity, contact tracing, that kind of thing, because we do have a lower population density in many areas of Manitoba, which helps, uh, but I'm quite sure that the work that's been done as well in terms of uh, the planning uh, in our province has helped us because we are – Fortunate in that we are doing a good job of managing
0: this here. Cynthia, the work you do is fascinating and so critical. I sort of liken these curves and these graphs that we're seeing to the trajectory of a rocket ship being launched from Earth either to the moon or or any other orbit or place in space. The centimeters matter because if you're off just a tiny bit at the start, it can send you off on a wild goose chase, right? Right.
4: Well, that's really uh, an important uh, concept is that um, pandemics, as you can see, grow exponentially. And what the key to that is timing and inputs. And you're right, just slight changes in inputs matter. So, um, for example, uh, there's two regions in Italy where we hear so much about uh, what's going on there both regions immediately implemented contact tracing, sorry, social distancing, but one also at the same time implemented contact tracing. That one additional measure reduced the deaths from the thousands in one region to the hundreds in the other. So even though that's not just centimeters, it's an example of both of them did what they thought was most important, which was contact tracing, with social distancing but one did one extra thing and that one extra thing that's so key to stopping this from moving because once it starts to double that's the challenge the good news in manitoba is that uh, i think we're up to about nine days now uh between uh cases doubling i think it was right at the end of march where we had close to 10,000 cases so we are making progress We're
2: talking about the idea when you say contact tracing. I know BC has started that. They're going to be sending texts to people in terms of, you Mm -hmm. please check this link. You might have come in contact with such and such a person. Here's some things to watch for. So those are some different steps that different governments are rolling out. At the end of the day, we know Dr. Rusin, our chief public health officer, has Mm -hmm. said that we're going to be doing these socially distancing measures for months, potentially months. And so I Mm -hmm. often say to people, talk to me like I'm a child in terms of why Mm -hmm. this is important, Cynthia.
4: Right, and, and I've heard that over and over, and I'm a mom of two, and, and I hear it. Uh, it's very hard to help our children who all feel like they're invincible and they're lonely and they're restless. Uh, why is social distancing important? So I've said, you know, if you think back to January 5th, all of us most of us were probably watching the world juniors and you know we were down until almost halfway into the third period and nobody quit even though they trusted our own joel hoffer the goalie everybody worked together to keep that puck away from the net so i've said to my kids and others think of our scientists and our doctors those are the forwards moving forward against the virus our healthcare system is joel and you are all the defensemen um, you know, Kalen Addison from Brandon, be him. Stop that puck from getting to the net because your goalie can't stop every shot. So if we kind of do what uh, the coach said later, the kids bought into the system and they were resilient. So we've got to follow what Dr. Rusin is saying. Buy into the system. He knows what he's doing. He wants the best for us, but he can't do it alone. So all of us as Canadians and our kids, let's be Team Canada work together, and defend our goalie.
1: Cynthia Carr, that's a wonderful analogy, and we'll leave it there. Cynthia, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Cynthia Carr is an epidemiologist with 25 years of experience. She is the owner of Epi Research. Some Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. That apropos. is that is a classic, and, and it's something that I think we could all uh, le- de- deal with right now. And here's one from Art suggesting some Alabama. I'm in a hurry, yes. rushin', rushin in a hurry and I don't far. know why, which also is apropos these days.
2: Listen to this harmony, guys. Just soak it in.
1: in a oh,
2: that's a beauty. That's don't a thing of beauty right why. there
1: yeah you know when he suggested alabama i thought eh, i don't know that i want to play that i'm not really a fan of country but then i turned it on and thought nope, this is this is gold so thank you for that art and uh trev adds you have created a significant dilemma for me this morning keep listening to you or switch to spotify and listen to all these great songs i forgot about so songs you could listen to on repeat 204-780-6868 why don't we just leave this one going And I see CJ on the line here. He said, I'm going to win the Skip the Dishes. The lines are already jammed at 204-780-6868. We have a gift card, a $50 gift card for Skip the Dishes. So here is the question. 12% of us are trying to learn how to do this while in quarantine. What is it? CJ. A new language. I'm sorry, my friend, you are not gonna win the gift card today. That is not the, Okay. But that's a that's a great guess. Mackling, do you know any other languages? <laughs> no. McNab?
2: Uye of day any day. Pig Latin.
1: Oh <laughs> I thought baby that was because I knew you spent some time in Africa. I thought, no. is this some dialect I am unfamiliar with?
2: But, I, I, I know a about a- out about. day. <laughs> I asked, do you love Danny? That would have been a question in junior high. Uh, yeah, I I know about one word in every country I've visited. So, Maguanani, that is Shauna from Zimbabwe. Good morning, everyone.
1: Kevin, do you know what it is? Well, I'm going to say how to bake or cook. That is a great guess. A lot of people are doing it, but that's not the answer. Sorry, buddy. 12% of us are trying to learn how to do this in quarantine. What is it? Jared, do you know what it is? Uh... Uh, I got nothing Oh, oh. Um, You don't want to even take a guess? Uh, trying to To learn something Trying to learn how to I'm sorry, Jared Next time, better luck next time Glenn, 12% of us are trying to learn How to do this in quarantine, what is it? Meditate Meditate, that is something I should learn How to do Unfortunately, that's not what we're looking for. But uh, McNabb, have you ever meditated?
2: What do you think the answer to that question
0: is? Okay. <laughs> Mackling. I can't sit still long enough to meditate, so no.
1: Uh, hang on a second here. I'm just going to bring in the, the Bobby McFerrin back while we go through the rest of these calls. Uh, who is next? I think it's Liz. Hey, Liz, do you know what it is? 12% of us are trying to learn how to do this in quarantine. What is it?
3: I'm going to say something like draw.
1: No, but that's a, that would be another great way to pass the time. Uh, let's try Hans at 204-780-6868. Hello? Hi there, Hans. Hi. Uh, is it Cook? No, that's not it. Unfortunately not. But I'm sure a lot of people, I bet you that that number is higher than 12%. Les, do you know what it is? Uh, sewing, knitting? No, no, that's not it either. Macklin, did you go to have sewing class in high school? <laughs> uh, not high school, but I think it was
0: junior high that we did sewing. I, I kind of enjoyed it. That's, that's a fine art, if I, you ask me. Did you do it?
1: Yeah, and I enjoyed it too. There was something... Stri- uh, I found it really relaxing, even though it was like... Kind of dangerous putting your hands Underneath the sewing machine (laughs) You are
0: doing it wrong then (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah I found it relaxing I was terrible at it but it was fun Marie do you know what the answer is
2: I'm going to go with um, I don't know Getting a hobby doing some kind of a hobby
1: Uh, Yeah you could call it a hobby But that's not the answer we're looking for Unfortunately 12% of us are trying To learn how to do this in quarantine What is it I thought that this one would be a uh, slam dunk. James, do you know what it is? How about, uh, like, learn, uh, like, technology, like Zoom or something like that? Oh, that's another great guess, but that's not the answer. Uh, think uh, more analog. That's uh, That That could be your hint. Dan, do you know what it is? I was going to say cook, but I guess that's wrong. Yeah, Yes, it is. I'm sorry, buddy. Karen, do you know what it is?
5: How about cursive writing?
1: Cursive writing. I could use a refresher on cursive writing, but uh, that's not the answer. Yeah, my uh, my cursive writing looks like the scribblings of someone who just got out of uh, an institution. Mike, do you know what it is? Mike, are you there? Oh, I just cut him off as he came on. I'm sorry, Mike. Trigger, uh, I'm, uh, trigger happy. Don, do you know what it is? How about guitar lessons? Yes, I'm going to give it to you. How to play a musical instrument. Nice. Right on. Don, congratulations. Where's the cheering? Where's the clapping? woo Yes. Yes, Don. All right. What are you going to order with your skip the dishes? Oh, I'm going to actually give it to my daughter. She's been ordering a lot. Oh, well, how kind of you. Well, Don, I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air. That's right. 12% of us trying to learn how to do this in quarantine. Play a musical instrument. Well, is that your drums, uh, Greg? My makeshift drums here, yes. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I hope everyone's up in your house. <laughs>
0: if they aren't, they are now. They ought to be up. It's time to get up. Where's that cowbell?
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. For many of us, a favorite Ritual, a favorite sight, come spring, is the opening of the St. Norbert Farmer's Market. Groceries are still an essential service under public health rules for COVID-19, but the market knows not every vendor will be able to open as usual.
2: So it's doing something unique, adapting the way so many different businesses have had to adapt over the past few weeks. It's come up with a hybrid option with the market under the canopy, which is, for those who don't know, it's set up on the east side of 75 as you come through St. Norbert. So there'll be that market and then, of course, an online option. Marilyn Firth is the executive director for St. Norbert's Farmers Market and joins us now. Good morning, Marilyn. Good morning. So, just to be clear for our listeners, the market will be open for business, but only for vendors who are considered essential. Do I have that right? Can you explain?
5: That's correct. So at this point, we only have vendors who are selling, you know, things like food products, soaps, that kind of thing. So just essential products at this time. So um, when you come to the market, the vendors under the canopy, it's a much smaller number than people will be used to seeing. um, And it will be people selling those kinds of products only. Um, But that's actually giving us room to sort of spread the vendors out as well so that there's room for people to have the space that they need for social distancing um, in this situation.
0: 33 years of existence, Marilyn. And it feels as though in the last decade, the St. Norbert farmer's market has really started to hit its stride in terms of popularity. And I'm not sure if online shopping, quote unquote, was really ever (laughs) a focus here, right? This is going to be a big shift for you. How are you managing that?
5: Well, it is very different. And I think one thing that we, you know, people have to kind of reimagine the market right now, because, you know, it's such a loved place as a community gathering space, and we can't be that right now. Um, and so um, we are sort of shifting gears as everyone is having to in this situation. So running an online market, actually, we did run an online market before when we first opened year round in the winter time in 2014, we ran it, we started as an online market. Uh, and then it gradually shifted into a regular market so we've kind of been down this path a bit before so it's not completely new territory for us but uh, it's definitely a lot of, of you know rethinking how we're doing things um, um, and so you know having to get the, the facility in place and everything it, it's quite a bit of work but, um, but we really feel you know it's such a time when you really want to be supporting local producers we're a non-profit cooperative and that's our role and, um, and we want people to have access to, to good quality local food. And so it feels really important that we, we keep offering that option.
1: How important is the market to the farmers and to the producers?
5: Well, it's very important because for, for some of, the, of, the, of our vendors, it's their only outlet that they, they sell at. Others, um, you know, have multiple outlets that they sell at. But certainly because of the popularity of our market and the number of people that purchase there, it, it's a very important part of their annual income. And that's, of course, another reason, you know, we really want to be supporting our local producers, um, especially, you know, when you, when you come into times like this and you, you sort of see how important the value is of having locally produced food, um, then you definitely want to, you know, make, make that option available to people that they can support their local folks
2: yeah marilyn we brought on the last few weeks uh, you know farmers in south of winnipeg who will deliver the cuts of pork from their farm or beef or what have you Mm -hmm. and it's an option for people because we're also trying to figure out a way to stay away from others and so having this hybrid option might actually help save some of these producers who otherwise might lose their income in these troubling times
5: well, that's right, and you know, it's it's a lot to, like, doing home deliveries is an option some people are doing, but that's a lot of driving around um, for, the, for the producer who's also still producing right now. And so what we're trying to do with this option at the market, and there is a drive-through option so people can order online, They pay online and then they can drive through at the market site and we uh, will take out their their bag of produce out to their car for them. Or we actually put it on a table and they come to the table or we'll put it in their trunk for them. So, you know, people don't have to come into the market. Or for some people who uh, feel more comfortable, they can come into the market and and do their shopping in a sort of in a more regular way. But, of course, with, with fewer products than we've had in the past.
0: So Marilyn it just uh, we had just one text here but I imagine other people are hearing this and going isn't that social gathering at a market so just one more time before we let you go just outline how this is going to work if if I'm doing this in person mm-hmm. like I might be at a grocery store there're going to be some rules regulations some marshals to let us know if we're doing it right or doing it wrong
5: Absolutely. And, you know, we've been now running the market. This is our, we've done two markets under these conditions. Um, and so we've been, we basically follow exactly the same rules and regulations as a grocery store does. We have a lineup situation outside where it's marked, um, you know, everything's six feet apart. We are, are only letting a certain number of people in at a time to ensure that there's enough space for social distancing. So we're essentially doing all the same rules and regulations that any grocery store you go to would go to, you know, extra sanitizing. Um, all of our vendors have been, you know, told how to manage themselves for a distance and they're all doing that and of course in some ways the nice thing is that the vendor is right there so they're making sure people aren't touching product if they're not going to buy it so there's you know supervising their products themselves um, which is really nice.
1: The next market is is it April 18th? That's correct yeah from uh, just from 10 to 2 p.m at this
5: time of year um, and then our, we're only every two weeks right now as well and the next one's May 2nd and then we're just sort of watching the situation and maybe normally go weekly, but we're just going to watch it and see how things look uh, as we head into May.
1: stnorbertfarmersmarket.ca to check out the online market. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Marilyn Firth. We appreciate the time.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. When you go to the grocery store, are shoppers following the rules related to social distancing? Your options are mostly yes, some are confused, some are ignoring them, and I'm staying home. Now, just looking at the results on Twitter, because we threw that poll up on Twitter as well, 49% say mostly yes, 12% say some are confused, 32% say some are ignoring them, and 6% say I'm staying home. Uh, so again, you can cast your vote at cjob.com or on Twitter. And uh, we, we had a conversation with Munther Zied from Food Fair. They recently put in the one-way arrows and are keeping people moving that way. Uh, I've, Like I said, I've shopped at Safeway because I live right by a Safeway in Osborne Village, and we have a Safeway right over here at Madison Square. And uh, the Safeway over here in Madison Square... It's it's it, it's impressive, but it's also just so weird when you walk up to the store because all the stores now only have, like, one entrance open. Safeway often has two entrances and exits, but they've blocked off one because they want everybody going in and out at the same spot. So they, they've set up a giant row of grocery carts. They've flipped them upside down and and created a barrier with, like, tape, yellow tape uh, between each carts. Cause they don't want you going anywhere near that one door and they want you to follow the line down to the other door and then when you get there it's like they, they've created this sort of weaving pathway of carts that le- ultimately leads you to the door and then you get to the door and there's a clerk standing there saying, okay, so we need you to stay six feet apart from everybody. Make sure when you're in line that you stand on the marked spots on the floor. When you go in, we'll give you a sanitized cart and then you have to wash your hands. They have a hand washing station and uh, they say it doesn't matter if you're there for, as Munther said, doesn't matter if you're there for one item or 10 items. Everybody gets a cart because that's a, as you've referenced, Greg, it's a way to help keep that distance. But it's also just a way that they can keep count of how many people they have in store uh, so I've been impressed with Safeway I'm going I haven't been to food fair yet in a little while I'm not too far from there there's one over on lilac just off of court and so I'll have to go check that out and see what they've done but we got a lot of great text messages earlier as well uh, do either of you guys have the one uh, there was one from co-op yeah. I believe
2: yeah, I got the one from the Oak Bank Co-op handy here, and it's from one of our listeners. And Greg, you, you responded that you thought this was a brilliant solution because it's not just the big stores that are making adjustments. You mentioned food for fair, food fair, Brett. And then there's all sorts of small town grocers, right? That we would rely on that might have never had that online option. This listener texted to say, I emailed my groceries list to Oak Bank Co-op. In one hour, they called that my groceries were ready, phoned them when I got to the store. They delivered them outside where I could load them into my car, keeping my distance. I got everything I needed with a smile and no extra charge. A big thank you to Jason and his staff. And Greg, you mentioned that that really might be the way people need to start shopping more. Stop going in if you can, if you can stop shopping the way you used to and start doing it online or with delivery if you're able to.
0: Yeah, we're seeing so many grocery stores uh, from big to small hiring more people right now because that is probably the preference for them would be to uh, shop on your behalf and then deliver the items to your vehicle. Not everybody has a vehicle, so that's understood that it's not an option for everyone. But I just, you know, the pick, click and collect, is it called, that Superstore does, mm-hmm. I think yep. that's absolutely brilliant. I know Save on Foods does the delivery and just this idea of of maybe somewhere in the future, man. You talk about co-op. I remember a long time ago, where when Red River Co-op was was big the first time around, you would shop. And then they would sort of stack your groceries in the carts and give you a number. And then you would go and get your vehicle. And there was a loading line. I think they did that at the Safeway at Polo Park once upon a time as well. And you would come through and they would load your groceries into your trunk. And I just think that's a brilliant way to limit contact for the, the proprietors of these grocery stores to control the environment and to uh, keep us all safe. And I think it's something that, more and more places are going to be doing now and might be doing long into the future,
1: Brett. Ian texting saying, I just came out of Safeway Crestview for Seniors Hour. So I guess he sent us his text about an hour ago. Carts were sanitized, one-way aisles on checkout, footprints on the floor for social distance spacing. A staff member then assigned a checkout cashier. A very safe and respectful experience. I personally have not, like, I I feel bad because I, I am making multiple trips to the grocery store, partly because I, you know, if I need produce, I got to go, you know, you can't mm-hmm. stock up on, on fresh produce, but I just, I forget things. I'll go to the store and then I'll get home and realize, oh crap, I'm out of soap or I'm out of this or I'm out of that. I got to go back to the store for one item. So I try to get in and get out as quickly as I can. Uh, so, but even with my multiple trips, whether it's uh, Safeway for me or I went to uh, Walmart for my dad. People, uh, the behavior I have witnessed has been mostly respectful. The staff have been super friendly and super helpful. And uh, I think if anything, I'm finding that I, like I used to do the self-checkout more often. Mm -hmm. And now I actually will go to a cashier. Uh, because I want to, A, I think just because I, I crave human interaction, but B, just so I can say thanks and uh, see how they're doing. And for the most part, they seem to be holding up, even though we had that text earlier from somebody who works at Walmart who's who says it's stressful, and, and they're seeing people, you know, sneezing into their hands and coughing openly and sort of ignoring the rules. So uh, it's got to be tough if you're working on a job like this, Loren.
2: For sure, and I think it might get to the question. You talked about how you go to the store, and I know people how often you might be going, if you're in an apartment, you might only have so much space, you'll have to go back more often, you might not have a car to pick up groceries, delivery might not be an option, depending on where you live. So it's, it's not, there's not a one answer fits all for everyone. But there, there might be an idea of like, what we once thought was necessary, maybe we can live without for a few days until our next trip. I had an email last week from a listener who's partner works at a retail store and said, you know, it's frustrating to see how so many people are still continuing to shop as normal. And they work not in a grocery store, but in a place where you can get things like ice cream makers and blenders and different appliances and toys and all these people were still coming in to buy all these things. And their question was, do we not maybe need to change our idea of what's necessary in this time? Like I I love having those pepperoni, pepperon, is it pepperoncini peppers on my salad? You know, like the big, they're spicy. And I ran out of them the other day and I, Part of me was like, oh, I should go to the store. And then I was like, do I really need this, like, one extra accoutrement on my salad? And so I, I don't have it, right? And that might be part of the conversation, too.
1: Yeah, I saw somebody tweet, uh, and I can't remember the tweet offhand, but I, I believe it had to do with a family member who is uh, immunocompromised. And it, the, the message was along the lines of, listen, I don't want my sister to get sick because you wanted chips. So that made mm-hmm. me th- that made me think about those impulse buys, right? Like there'd be there there are times where I'll I'll be sitting in my apartment and think, you know, I could really go for a bag of sour cream and bacon ruffles right about now, and I'll just walk down and get them. But I don't do that anymore. I only go in when I need to right. go get something. Um and just, so keep weighing in, 204-780-6868 is the the number to text. You can also email mackling at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com, or brett at cjob.com. And Darlene sent a nice text here that I wanted to share. Good morning. Some of my friends and I are noticing that all of the media coverage can take a toll on our mental health right now. So some are choosing to limit the number of times we listen to or watch the news. I just wanted to reach out and send you all a huge Thank you. It can't be easy covering and delivering all of this information at such a critical time in history. Please know that you are truly appreciated and we hope that you are looking after yourselves in every way possible. So first, darling, thank you for that. That means so much uh, that you took the time to type that out. But I also wanted to read it because indeed, this is a critical time in history. That's why we will be here Tomorrow, on Good Friday, 680 CJOB will be running a full lineup of shows uh, just an hour later, starting at 7, and I can tell you uh, just, you know, with my communications from the couch potatoes, you know, because the show is syndicated in various markets, and most of the other markets are, are off, so CJOB is sticking it out. At this important time, we'll be here tomorrow on Good Friday uh, to continue to serve you and get you the information that you need and hopefully have some fun too, right? Like we like to goof off on the show just as much as we give you the information that we need. An hour ago, we shared with you some new numbers out of Ottawa and just how many deaths Canada could see in the coming months, Loren.
2: Yeah, all related to COVID-19, of course, with the public health agency estimating that with strong control measures, 11,000 to 22,000 Canadians could die in the coming months. And it adds that with poor containment measures, the death toll could be much higher. Again, these are just projections with the data we have now, but they are important to hear,
0: Greg. No question about it. And earlier in the show, we brought on Cynthia Carr, Winnipeg epidemiologist and owner of Epi Research, and we've invited her back to go through some of these new numbers with us now. And Cynthia, we know that you're just diving into the data now, so there might be questions that you might not be able to answer for us, but thank you for rejoining us to help us out. We appreciate it.
4: My pleasure, and I really enjoyed that music. I feel better already.
0: <laughs> oh, well, good. That, that, that's that's the intention here. We're trying to balance it out. And, exactly. And maybe this is the message here with regards to numbers like this is balance. And yep. the estimate here indicate the death toll, which, again, could be between 11,000 and 20,000 Canadians, mm-hmm. is with the strong measures we're undertaking. Now, that, that, that's important point, isn't it?
4: It is. And first of all, I want to thank you for saying could be because I've already seen some headlines that say expected to be. And as Dr. Tam has already said, These are a range of possibilities, and as I've said before in other interviews, every range of possibility is highly sensitive to our actions as Canadians, and we as Canadians have the power to push towards the most optimistic uh, scenarios. So this is not a crystal ball, as she said. This is what could happen, but she's not saying this is what will happen But it's important for us to understand why the containment measures are important and why more strict containment measures might come in and be important in the near future.
1: Is there any way to extrapolate uh, from this data the impact on Manitoba in terms of possible deaths?
4: So an easy answer, right, would be to do the math and say if we're 3.6% of the population, possibly we'll be 3.6% of the deaths. But the reality is right now we're about 1.1% of the cases and less than 1% of the deaths. And we know that in Quebec, uh, it's about half the cases. And within that province, many of the uh, deaths are amongst very elderly in long-term care facilities. So there's different situations in every province uh, that will make us more or less at risk, including as we chatted a little bit about this morning, population density, contact tracing, and other measures that are already in place to stop that exponential spread, because that's where we get to the most high-risk people and, you know, at risk for the poorest outcomes. So we uh, can't really just mathematically extrapolate right now
2: and might want to encourage others cynthia unless you're in your field to not do that either because i've even found myself over time you know watching the different news reports or reading and doing my own math trying to figure it out And, and what might happen in one province or city is not fair to compare that to say a winnipeg to toronto as you mentioned population density may be a huge factor in some of these places
4: that's right. So if you look at Montreal, if you look at Toronto, they have a much higher population density. We also have to look at differences between provinces in terms of who, uh, where are the most vulnerable population, elderly. Do we have higher rates of elderly people in different provinces that might be at higher risk of poor outcomes? So again, um, in Manitoba, um, pandemics and disease don't respond to math they respond to opportunity so the work that Dr. Rusin has been doing as uh, you know our strategy uh, for the province is working and we need to keep following that and not give the virus the opportunity to infect to spread and then to attack our most vulnerable population so it's not about numbers it's about blocking the opportunity.
0: Cynthia, I know it's about the data, but it's a reaction mm-hmm. to the data that's so critical mm-hmm. in a time like this. Are you concerned in any way uh, that people will see some of these numbers and obviously 11,000 to 20 20- Two thousand Canadians losing their lives is is not an optimistic number in any way, shape, or form. But there are other numbers out of British Columbia and the numbers here in Manitoba that have people, quote unquote, hopeful. Does it concern you that people might be doing their own math and going, "Oh, this is, this is going pretty well"?
4: Uh, it concerns me on both sides. So panicking and hearing numbers, doing their doing our own math. We're all human. We're all going to do that. Um, And and we've heard over and over about, you know, resilience, mental health resilience. It's a stressful time, and there's nothing more stressful than uncertainty. So what our government is trying to do is balance between giving us information to help us understand why we need to work together collectively to stop the worst-case projections but not create a whole other layer of anxiety about uncertainty about these are large ranges tens of thousands of of people that's a large range there so Um, I think we need to focus on how we work together and and don't get caught up in the math, get caught up in the action, the action that we hear repeatedly about why it's important. And if we need to change our strategies, Dr. Ruthson, Dr. Tam, they will tell us, just like the coach on a hockey team we talked about this morning, as the game goes on, the strategy might change, but our coaches, our leaders, our doctors will tell us when it's time to change the strategy. Our job is to change, to listen, be part of the team, and change.
1: Is part of the goal to prevent COVID-19 from being an annual concern?
4: Right. So we know that, for example, influenza is seasonal. um, And obviously, it would be ideal because we don't have a vaccine or a treatment for any of the coronaviruses, including this one, um, that we don't see it again. But we don't know if that's going to happen. Obviously, the hope is that we Uh, have a situation like we did with SARS, where we have literally not seen another case since 2003. Other things that may happen is sometimes viruses get weaker over time, not stronger, because a smart virus does not want to kill its host. It wants to live. So there are many viruses that continue, but in a less deadly form. So there's many things that can happen. And our, uh, again, public health officials will be planning for that. And that's why there is the push towards a vaccine and a treatment in case we do not entirely eradicate um, this strain of the coronavirus.
2: Cynthia, one of the texts we get, I wouldn't say on a regular basis, in Mm -hmm. the beginning when we first started talking about this, we did. Not so much now, but we still fairly consistently will have someone say, yeah, you know, the flu kills people annually every Mm -hmm. year. So before we let you go, a reminder of when we do look at those numbers, how very different COVID-19 is when compared to influenza that runs through Manitoba and Canada every
4: year. So there's two points to that, and thank you for bringing it up. In pandemic planning, one thing that is always thought about is a co-occurring, so at the same time, risk to the public health care, to our health care system. That is why the timing of this couldn't have been worse. It started during the flu season when more people are already sick and vulnerable and our health system is already working at a high capacity, so please next year, It is not the flu, but get your flu shot. Your tax dollars have already paid for the research, the distribution, the accessibility to this to keep us as healthy as possible so that when something unanticipated like this happens, we as Canadians are as healthy as possible and our healthcare system is at optimal, not maximum capacity. So that's an important thing to remember just in terms of helping add a layer of protection. But this is not the flu. It is leading to very uh, different respiratory impacts, which is why the impact on equipment and ventilators occurs, Uh, whereas the flu tends to lead, uh, in worst-case scenarios, to pneumonia, which can be treated, if it's um, one of the right ones, by antibiotic. So this has an additional layer of requiring pieces of equipment um, that we need to make sure we have enough of, and there are other complications that we're learning about. This is not the flu, it is a completely different family of viruses, Um, but let's work together to cut down on the flu for next year and to keep ourselves in optimal health. If you can, you might want to start thinking about not smoking and, you know, keeping your lungs in optimal health too, just in case. Um, These are things that we can do as individuals to, to kind of, again, keep ourselves as healthy and resilient as possible.
1: Cynthia Carr is a Winnipeg epidemiologist and owner of Epi Research joining us live. once again, twice in one show. very <laughs> rare, but thank you so much, Cynthia, we appreciate it. and uh, many of our listeners uh, loved the hockey analogy, by the oh, way.. Good. Great. So thank you for that. Uh, we appreciate it very much.